Hello, I'm Carrie Ann. Welcome to another service with Pastor Ray Dieter at Grace Baptist Church. Please check out our website, gbcevansville.org. There, you'll find videos of our youth and children's services, daily devotions, and other ministries our church has to offer. We invite you to join us on Sunday mornings for an in-person service where we'll practice social distancing and follow safety guidelines. Now, let's hear what Pastor Ray has to say. There, we can definitively say in the book of John, there are seven I am statements. I am the light of the world, etc. Uh, the I will statements are throughout the New Testament where Jesus makes specific promises uh, and last week we talked about the ex promise of acceptance, that He will accept any who come to Him. And today I want us to talk about uh, the power of God's presence. And we'll go back to a verse we looked at a couple weeks ago in John 14, beginning actually with the 15th verse. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. <clears throat> and I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Um, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, and uh, he was very plain that it was going to be different. In the Old Testament, the Old Holy Spirit would come to people and He would walk with them and He would walk beside them. And one of the saddest places in the Old Testament is where the Holy Spirit leaves Saul. And it says that the Spirit departed from Saul and Saul didn't even know it. Uh, and so Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit and He says this is going to be different than what you've known in the past. That the Spirit is going to come but He's not going to walk with you He's going to be in you. Now, I'll tell you folks, this is one of the hardest things for unbelievers to get their grip on and understand how God can indwell those who believe in Him and trust in Him. You don't become God, you become a child of God. You're adopted into the family of God when you're saved and the Holy Spirit comes into you. And the Holy Spirit is very specific in His work. Um, and uh, we need to understand that He is the third person of the Trinity. He has a personality, uh, and He has always existed. He has always been God. Uh, the Scripture says, uh, let us make man in our, plural, image, uh, in the image of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and so what Jesus is promising here is that God is going to be revealed to His people in a very specific way. And so what we want to talk about this morning a little bit is the work of the Holy Spirit and what it is that He does. And first of all, I, I want you to understand that He is active in salvation. If you go to John 16, uh, 8 to 11, uh, it says, And when He has come, He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe of men, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So he says that <clears throat> the primary work of the Holy Spirit in an unbeliever's life is to bring conviction. 
to reveal to us that there, number one, is a thing called sin, number two, that we are lost in the midst of that sin, and number three, there's no hope for us to get out of the grips of that sin without the work of Jesus Christ. And so he brings conviction in the life of the believer. And uh, I, I have seen that many times in, in, in my life as a pastor standing here and looking out and looking into the congregation and seeing people who are under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I had a fellow once, he, he was a very wealthy man. He would come to church because of his grandkids, great reason to come. And he would sit in the back row and we would give the invitation and he would stand up and he would hold on to the pew in front of him. He was under such great conviction, but he just could not at that time release himself into God's care. Finally, praise the Lord, he did, and later he was saved. But I would look back on Sunday morning, we'd be singing the invitation, and he'd be white-knuckling it, holding on to the pew. That's conviction. And that's how you got saved. The Holy Spirit revealed to you, my goodness, I'm a lost person. My goodness, I'm a sinner. My goodness, I'm in need of God's amazing and wonderful grace. And so he brings that conviction, and that, that is the beginning of the process from our side of salvation. And then he brings guidance. If you go to that 16th chapter again, the 13th uh, and 14th verses, he says, however, when he, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come and he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it. You need to understand this. The Holy Spirit is not in the business of glorifying himself. He's in the business of glorifying our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if there's anything that happens in the church that is, is a problem is that sometimes churches and denominations get the emphasis on the Holy Spirit and, that, and, and they become blinded to the truth that the Holy Spirit is just a facilitator pointing to the Son. He exalts the Savior. That's what He does. He doesn't do anything to bring glory to Himself. He is guiding lost people to the throne of grace. He is saying, here's the way. Come on, follow me. I'm going to take you to Jesus. And, and, and through Jesus, you're going to be saved. Uh, so His work is revelatory. That's a great word, revelatory. He reveals to us that we're sinners, and he reveals to us what we can do about that sinner, which, sin, which is confess it and accept Jesus Christ. So he shows us our lost state of sin, and then he guides us out of that. We couldn't find our way out of that if we tried. Uh, but he guides us out of it through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And he brings about completion. By the way, it's not John 6. It's 1 John 4, 1 to 6. I, I've got to do a better job of proofreading things. Uh, half the time I can't see them is my problem. Uh, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have come and gone out in the world. But this you know, the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard it was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the well. I don't like the devil, 
But if you're for a changed, saved child of God, you don't need to fear him. You can resist him, the scripture says, and he will flee from you. He, he says that it brings a completion of our salvation, and we, we're going to talk about that next in sanctification, but we become like Jesus Christ, and we are complete in him, and we have his power. The word that Jesus used to describe that in the Greek is dynamis, from which we get our word dynamite. The Holy Spirit is all-powerful, just like Jesus is all-powerful, just like the Heavenly Father is all-powerful. And in, He pours that power into the life of the believer to complete our salvation and complete the process of us mo moving towards being perfected in the Lord. Joy and I, uh, well, it doesn't seem like it, but seven years ago was my first meeting as a, a trustee of the International Mission Board. And we were to fly out of Evansville to Detroit, to Charlotte, to Richmond, Virginia. And we got to the airport, and it was about this time of year, and they were having storms like we're having now. And the lady at the airport here said, we can get you to Detroit, but we don't know what we're going to do with you when we get you to Detroit, because we can't get you to Charlotte, because Charlotte's closed. And I said, well, I'm not going to Detroit and sit around and not know what's going to happen. So Joanne and I got out the old Garmon, and we looked, and it's 680 mile uh, to the meeting we were to be in the next day. So at five o'clock in the afternoon, we got in our car and we headed for the meeting. We had a little minivan. Uh, and I drove for a while and then we didn't have our timing very good. Joanna wound up driving in the mountains of West Virginia. Now, I don't know if you've been through West Virginia on 64, but, uh, and we had a time. She. She, that little old minivan, it's a soccer mom's car, and it'd start up them hills and it just, boy, and she'd get over in the trucker's lane and follow those truckers up and truckers. Finally, we'd get up the crest and it'd coast and go fast. And I didn't think we were ever going to get through the hills of West Virginia. Now, we go in a Chevrolet Suburban, and I'm here to tell you that car We'll take those hills. We were flying along this trip and Joanna says, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? You, what am I doing? She said, you're running 75 through these mountains. You got to slow down. You're scaring me to death. That car has power. You understand what I'm saying? Power. The hills are nothing to it. It goes right over them. And that's what it is in the life of a believer with the power of Jesus Christ in us. The problems and difficulties and troubles of life come upon us and they're like that big old Chevrolet going over that mountain. It's not going to affect them unless we let it. But if we stand tall and we stand firm in Him, uh, He's going to carry us through. I had a funeral last week for a lady 101 years old and her favorite poem is Footsteps. And you know that. The, the person says to Jesus, how come... There's places in the sand where we walk together, but then there's places where my footsteps aren't there. And Jesus says, that's because that's where I carried you. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He carries us over the peaks uh, and takes us home. And, and, and there's evidence of that in the life of the believer. If you go Romans 8, uh, got a lot of scripture this morning. My old uh, preaching professor didn't like proof texting. And I, I told him, I said, well, it's not proof texting when you're using it to show the Word of God. Romans 8, 9 to 11. Uh, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. 
if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit. He says, look, there's evidence that you're saved when the Holy Spirit is in your life. And if you don't hear him and feel him talking to you, you need to get right. You've got an unconfessed sin in your life, or perhaps you're not really ever saved. And it, but it is the evidence that comes in the life of the believer. First John, uh, in 1 John, he talks about that 2, 19 to 20. Oh, there it is. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been a, of us, they would not continue with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Now, that's a lot of talk to say uh, you're either saved or you're not. And sometimes people act like they're saved. Sometimes even people think they're saved, but they're not. But he says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. All right, there's evidence in your life because you feel him in that. I had heard a great Adrian Rogers pre uh, preaching once and someone had asked him about the life of the, and work of the Holy Spirit in preaching. And he said, well, I don't understand how it all works, brother. I've been preaching for a long time, but he said, I can tell you this, I know when I got the Spirit and I know when I ain't. And, and, and that should be so in the life of the believer. When we know we're listening and, and there's evidence of salvation in our life because we feel Him speaking to us. Um, our good friend Mark Sutter, who works internationally with the deaf, with our missionaries working with the deaf, told a great story this week of a young man in Croatia. And uh, he had been deaf since birth, a uh, young man in his 20s, but his parents are hearing. And the young man had, was having a, had a lot of trouble in life, just a lot of trouble. And his mother kept telling him, they were Catholic. She kept telling him, you need to go to the confessional and tell the priest what's going on in your life and get absolved. And the young man says, now, wait a minute. You want me to go into a dark box where I can't see. The priest can't see me, and he don't know sign, and I can't hear him. He said, that's just kind of dumb. He wound up at one of our Southern Baptist events, and after three days of listening and hearing Bible stories, he confessed Jesus in his life. And when his mom came to pick him up, he told her, I made a marvelous discovery. God understands sign. God understands sign. Now catch the second part. And I can hear him in my heart. He speaks to me. See, that, that's evidence in the life of a believer. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is work, at work in sanctification. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 14. Uh, the, the Spirit works, and let me, that's a whole sermon, but I'm going to try to be real quick. Sanctification is a process by which we become more and more like Jesus. It is our walk to a maturity where sin in our life makes us sad and puts us under conviction, and we want to do what we can through the power of the Holy Spirit to remove that sin from our life. We want to be like Him. And so that's the process, and the Holy Spirit brings that about as He works in His life. He says, but it's written, I has not seen nor heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. He says, you can't imagine 
what God's got in store for you and how much He loves you. But God has revealed them to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, just the deep things of God. The Spirit reveals to us and He searches those things, uh, and, and He searches the deep things of God. And He is busy doing that in the life of the believer. Uh, I'm trying to get over there uh, to the next part of the verses. Uh, for what man, know, what man knows the things of God except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of him who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us from God. He, Paul writes about that and he says, look, uh, he is doing a work in our life that is making us different from the world, and he's bringing about change in our lives. Uh, and he is making us more like Jesus. He, he teaches us, John 14, 26. Uh, he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance and the things that I have said to you. Uh, and one of the things you need to understand, the Holy Spirit was instrumental in the writing of the book. He, you know, I, I can't remember what I had for breakfast. But these guys wrote down things inspired by the Spirit of God within them that Jesus said in public and in private. And they recounted the things that happened. How did they do that? The Holy Spirit worked in their hearts so that they would remember. And so Scripture is God-breathed. It comes from God, from the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the one who's writing the Scripture. Um, and, and He continues to do that in the life of the believer. He teaches us. If we'll but just listen as He works in our lives. Uh, he exalts the Savior. We talked about that before. <coughs> John 16, 14. Uh, he says, He will glorify me, for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. Uh, three functions of the church. We've talked about that many times. We exalt the Savior. We equip the saints, prepare them for life in a difficult world. And we evangelize the lost and show them the way to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And a part of that, and we've talked about earlier in the service, is the Holy Spirit exalts Jesus. He lifts him up. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. So it's a part of the process. He guides the believer. If you go to uh, 1613, uh, however, when he, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He is our guide. And I would tell you this morning, uh, to paraphrase Jesus, fear not and follow your guide. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in me and trust the Spirit and follow the work of the Spirit. Uh, and he is even active in our prayer life, Romans 8, 26, uh, he says, likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groaning which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, but he who makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, hear me close on this. Prayer is one of the three most important functions in the life of the believer. 
study the scriptures, one, and attendance in God's house and worship with God's people is another. Uh, but have you ever been that, you, you, you just were kind of in a quandary and you didn't know how to pray? You know, what, how, how do, I, do I pray for this or do I pray uh, for this not to happen? And, and what the Spirit does is He looks at the heart and He listens to the heart. And as we bring our prayers to the Father, He says, now, God, they're, they're, they're struggling and here's what they need. Okay? They are coming to you, Lord. Their heart is right. They are open. They're bringing their petitions before you. And they may not understand, but you do, God. And so he intercedes for us. So you can't pray wrong in that sense. If your heart is right with him, he's going to make that intercession for you in your prayers. Uh, always in the will of the Father. And so that's why when we pray, we pray in the will of the Father in the name of Jesus. So he is active in that process. He, Jesus accepts us. We talked about that last we, he accepts us as we are. But then he gives us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit begins to make us what he wants us to become. You are accepted, no doubt about it. But then he begins to make a change in the life of the believer. Behold, all things are new because he's at work. And a part of that is this process of sanctification whereby we learn to follow Jesus more closely. And we come under conviction. Lastly, he's active in salvation, he's active in sanctification, and he's active in security. I, had, I came from a background of a church that, that uh, believed you could lose your salvation. And I remember as a little kid going to bed at night really concerned that I might have a bad dream in the night and sin in my dream and die and wake up in hell. Now, I know that sounds silly, but that, that, you know, I, I, I was concerned about that. And uh, a good Southern Baptist pastor sat me down and he took God's word and he just began to explain salvation to me. And when you understand salvation correctly, then you understand security correctly. I can't save myself. No matter how good I am, no matter what I do, no matter what I say, no matter what I give, no matter how much I serve, I can't wash away my sin. So salvation does not belong to me, it belongs to God. And it is a gift that God gives to me. And because it is from him and is his, I can't lose it because he secures it. It's not dependent on me. I'm not saved uh, because of that, and I can't lose it because of that. If you go to Romans 8, I'm having a lot of trouble flipping around this morning. Uh, if you go to Romans 8, 15 to 17, he says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. What did Jesus say? He taught them to pray. And how did he tell them to begin the prayer? Abba. Uh, put that back up. He, 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 
It's like saying daddy. It's the most endearing term that a, a Hebrew could have for their father. And Jesus says, that's how you can talk to God. Uh, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. We sing that, you know, join heirs with Jesus as I travel this song. It, you have an inheritance, incorruptible and eternal and secure because of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and the salvation that comes from Jesus Christ. And I am adopted into the fam family of God. What a marvelous thing to be able to call God Father. All the other world's religions which are false, God is to be feared, God is to be avoided. In Christianity, the truth about God is that He loves us, and He cares enough for us that He sent His Son to die. And He says, I want to bring you in and make you part of our family. And He adopts us through the blood of Jesus Christ, and the papers are signed in blood. Um, sealed and guaranteed, 2 Corinthians 1, 21 to 22. Uh, now he who establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us in God, who has also sealed us and given us a spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Now there's a lot of things there. Anointed, the word there actually means set apart to God. Okay? So what happens in the life of the believer is through Jesus Christ, you are set apart to God. Remember the verse we had earlier, you're in the world, but not of the world. He who is in you is more powerful than he who is in the world. Uh, you, you are set apart to God and anointed by him as a child of God with special blessings and special privileges and special responsibilities. And then he says, you are sealed. Uh, in his day, that was a great term. You would, they would often write a letter. The king would write a letter or someone important. They'd put a little wax on the outside and they'd take a seal and they'd push that down. You know, I, for a long time I was a notary public and I had a seal and people would come to me and sign documents like deeds and uh, wills and things like that. And I'd take that seal and I'd put it on there and I'd pr press it down and that seal and my signature said, this is real. This is absolute. It is completed. It is verified. And so uh, he has sealed us. And then he says he has given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Amen. The spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Uh, heard the story of a fella who was going off to serve in the military. And he had a small son who was quite concerned that his dad was going to be at sea for many months with the United States Navy. And he took a piece of money, I forget the denomination, let's say a $20 bill. And he took that and he tore it in two. And he gave his son half and he kept half. And he said, I'll be back a few days before your birthday, and I'm giving you this $20 bill, and I'm keeping half of this $20 bill. And when we get back, 
when I get back, we'll take the $20 and we'll go have ice cream and have a big time at Dairy Queen. He gave him a guarantee. He said, you hold this, I'll hold the rest, and I'll be back. That's the picture here. He's given us the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer as a guarantee that I'm not going to leave you orphans. Remember what he said? I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm leaving the Holy Spirit as a guarantee in your life, and I'm coming back for you. Marvelous. I am going to return. And so we have that guarantee written upon our heart that God is not going to forget us. God is not going to abandon us. He is not going to leave us behind. He's coming back. And he's going to take us to be with himself. And that's a marvelous, marvelous guarantee. It takes fear away. It takes confusion away. It takes doubt away if we simply put our trust and our hope in that. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We as Baptists often shy away from talking about Him, but Lord, we should not. He is fully God, and He is fully functional in His position. He is responsible for conviction and revelation of man's sin and guidance of man to the throne of grace. And then when one is saved, he becomes responsible to bring us through the process to come home to you. You have given him in the life of a believer as power, as guidance, and as a guarantee. Thanks again for joining us for another service with Grace Baptist Church. Connect with us using the social media links on our website, gbcevansville.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week.